If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan, and I am live with Hejun Chung. Finally, we finally get a podcast together. Hello. Yes, uh, of course, Hedjun's usual monotone voice. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad that I could get Hedjun back on the podcast as we talk about the Premier League. I know it's been a little bit neglected. Yep. Um, we haven't talked since we did that short podcast about Pochettino getting fired yep. and let go by Tottenham. And uh, yeah, it's been about a month or so since Jose Mourinho has come in and made some definitely like some strides with this Tottenham team. What have your thoughts been over this initial month um, as him being uh, the boss there? Well, it's a pattern, I feel like, right? Because when he managed Man U, the first few months were great. Right. First year was first pretty year. Yeah. First season was great. Yeah, yeah. I think the true test for Mourinho is year three, isn't it? Year three. That's yeah, the, yeah. We, it's almost science, right? It's almost predictable. So I mean, Tottenham's got a pretty good squad. They just needed some motivation, and I think they found it in a new manager. Yeah, and I I think one of the things that you kind of bring up is an interesting point about year three being mm. the real test as to whether Mourinho's um, tactics can succeed is that just looking at Jose Mourinho's tactics in general and her- him being a little bit more defensive-minded, yeah. I think that grinds on players. Like, who wants to play in a defensive system? Yeah. And in comparison to someone like Jurgen Klopp's system that's a lot more free-flowing and, you know, scoring a bunch of goals and it's a lot more attractive to a lot of these attacking players when, you know, like your Son Heung-min and you're an attacker, winger type of player and you want to attack and you have all of these defensive responsibilities in Mourinho's system and he he's going to ride you really hard yeah. if you neglect those defensive responsibilities. And, you know... Year one, year two, if you're winning, you can kind of bury those feelings yeah. and then they spill over when, like, inevitably some trouble comes along. Yeah, and you even see Harry Kane, like, tracking back to and receive the ball, right. like, in their own half, even their own third. And it's like, this is very different from what we've seen from Pochettino's tactics. And I feel like with Man U... It was on both Mourinho and the players because, like, players like Martial gets criticized all the time, right, for not running. He's not he's not Messi or he's not Ronaldo. He still needs to track back. Um, otherwise, it's gonna burn a hole in Mourinho's tactics. And thank God, like Mourinho has players like Son Heung-min or. Um, Who's on the other side? Like Deli Ali's Deli been, Ali, yeah. yeah. Um, who's willing to like run and grab, like get the ball and be more defensive minded? Like they don't mind that. Yeah, Lucas Moore has been pretty decent for them as right. well. Right, so, Zoko, he's been like one of those guys that he's relied on. Right, so I think maybe 
uh, Tottenham's like a like a good fit for Mourinho. It's just a matter of like players getting tired in the middle right, of the right. season. Yeah, and I've kind of I kind of talked about that in our initial breakdown when Pochettino in that Pochettino podcast. I was kind of like optimistic about the move in terms of like initially I think it would have been pretty good um but in terms of whether or not it wears thin on some of the players I think that's a little bit early to be seen it's been five games into his tenure at Tottenham and he's won four games and the one game that thank god lost was to your Manchester United team and I think over there like the past five weeks or so um had a couple draws against some mediocre teams i would say teams that i think a lot of people and pundits would kind of say man you should win those games like they ended up tying um sheffield united they ended up tying aston villa but then they got two big wins right in a row that huge week where they ended up beating tottenham 2-1 and then they beat man city 2-1 so they and then they and then they come back and then they tie Everton this past weekend. So like it's just like one of those things where it kind of reminds me of Liverpool a couple years ago before this like meteoric rise that Jurgen Klopp's had where they would tie media tie or lose to mediocre teams and then they would get up for these huge games and end up like putting an amazing perfor- performance against top four level teams i think it's the difference between like mediocre or bottom tier teams being a little bit more defensive minded right Mm -hmm. um and they kind of sit back and try to absorb the pressure whereas with stronger teams they're gonna go guns blazing you gotta fight fire fire right i think that's manu like i think that's where manu shines right we've seen that like quick counterattack Exactly. Work on teams that are willing to press up, but probably not the best case scenario when you have teams that are like kind of setting back. And when they possess the ball and when they have to break these teams down, right. they, I, I just don't think they have the personnel to do that. Their personnel really fits that right. counterattack. And like, system. I feel like we're just kind of bouncing around here, but yeah, I feel like Norwich City, the way they came out, like beginning of the season mm-hmm. it worked because they expected like all the managers were probably like okay they're gonna sit back yep um just keep possession when you see an opening like go for it uh-huh where but like caught them off guard right yeah like man city right mm-hmm. they they didn't have a, uh, a plan for norwich because they didn't realize that they were gonna come out guns blazing like that yeah so i mean I've heard reports where, you know, Solskjaer is the manager for the job at Man U right now uh-huh. because um, we've seen, like, Lingard fall out of favor. Yeah. And that's because he's had some personal and family issues. And uh, Solskjaer really, like, I guess, really, like, sort of gave him gave him, like, a hug and was like, everything's going to be okay. Just focus on football and, like, you know, have fun. And I feel like that's, like, the kind of the manager that we need right now instead of, like... A taskmaster or someone that, like, kind of drives his team. Yeah. Like, um, it it wouldn't make sense for, like, someone like Guardiola to be on our team right now. Yeah. Um, 
so I'm 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 glad that he's he's able to do that, but I just want to be able to see the results too. Yeah, and I think that kind of you kind of talked about like what separates bottom tier to mid tier teams. Like I think what se- separates a good team to like a potentially great team is the consistency, and I think yeah. that's just what's missing from Man U right now. Uh, the level of consistency, and I think that comes with some of the experience that's on the field, because this is a very young Man yeah. United team. Um, they've been without Paul Pogba uh, for long portions and of I'm this season. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, and he and and you've kind of seen like some of these other guys develop. Like Martial has kind of come on. Uh, Marcus Rashford has been like a mm-hmm. revelation and looked really good in the attack um, for Manchester United. Um, Daniel James has kind of shown something, especially yep. like making that jump from championship level football to now uh, playing in the Premier League. It's a it's def it's a definite step up for him, and I think that it th- it kind of shows like the adjustment period that's being made yeah. uh, for this Man U I team, mean, and, and I think that's perfectly fine. We also have a basically a brand new uh, back four like Harry Maguire. Um, Juan Bissaka, right? We've had Shaw go missing for a little bit yeah, because of injuries. injuries. Yep. Um, who's who's playing along? Well, we have Lindelof, who's yeah. probably the old, like the most tenured defensive player in, uh, alongside um, Ashley Young, mm-hmm. right? So, like, even Vic Lindelof came on like a couple seasons back. So. It's yeah, definitely and a lot to figure out. And for he's sure. really cemented himself in that de- oh, uh, yeah. defense this year, um, particularly. I thought he he's looked a lot better and more reliable this season in comparison to like previous seasons, where he's shown a level of consistency that's been higher than previous years. Yeah, and yeah, like I mean, we got young players coming up like Greenwood and McTominay. Um, yeah, and McTominay's been that guy that's kind of been like that steady guy that isn't spe- spectacular in yeah. any like skill or anything like that. But he's kind of like those assen- essential type of players that you need in the squad that fulfills a role. And he's doing it perfectly, I think. He's going to be the next Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I think don't know. So. Not De Bruyne. I, I think McTominay can be that complete midfielder. Like, I'm thinking Matic, like, when he was with Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Like, breaking a play and, like, being able to connect some passes, things like that. I think Matic, like, that's, like, the arc of a career that they kind of want out of him. I think McTominay can definitely have more attacking mindset than Matic. That's a bold claim. We'll see I if think that so. We'll see if that comes true. Um, and I'd be interested to see that. Um but you kind of also mentioned Manchester City and yep. talked about Guardiola a little bit. Yeah. Has he lost his grip on Man City? And like because Man City has had this air of um invincibility over the past couple of seasons and now they've dropped a third. Uh they're sitting f- can you believe this 14 <laughs> points behind Liverpool. <laughs> Um, four points behind Le- a surprise Leicester City in second place, yep. um, who who we'll talk about next. But they've dropped four points off, um, and they've had some uncharacteristic results out of them. And I don't know if it's a, a thing of maybe Guardiola, 
Guardiola l- losing his grip on this team, and there possibly being rumors of him maybe surfacing elsewhere post this season. I wouldn't be surprised if he went elsewhere, but but um, I think it's also the a matter of players getting old, right? Uh, you have Aguero, who's over thirty now. Uh, David Silva. David Silva, yeah, he's he's old, and he's gonna be leaving this year Fern- after this year. Fernandinho's old. Um, we have Mendy, who's always on the injury list. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, who's the other center back other than Laporte? Otamendi. Yeah, who's old. also getting old. Uh, you had company leave. Yeah, right. Um, and there, we just haven't seen much of the younger guys, right, from Guardiola. And um, someone like Stones, who was supposed to be a big player for Man City, didn't pan out. Yeah, has I don't think he's panned out as to what Man City's level of expectation for him was at right. the time. And like Sané, like for whatever reason, he's not even playing. Well, yeah, he's been injured. He's injured long term with the knee. Oh, I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, like the ACL in the beginning of the year. So I he's had no been, idea. Yeah, yeah. So he's been injured. So that's like uh-huh. granted that makes sense. And like Jesus was supposed to be Aguero's replacement. He's coming off the bench. Yeah. Like and I, I think one of the things when looking at this team, like ultimately it starts from the center back position. Once yeah. like once Laporte ended up going out with that injury long term yeah it completely changed the complexion mm. of this team because they didn't have a reliable center back yep. um, to kind of plug in there uh, on a consistent basis. And they were making these like crazy decisions. Like they're putting Fernandinho at center back yeah. when he's not really had too much experience. Guardiola is known to do that ever since Barcelona. Right, era, where, he ha- where he has his center defensive midfielders, you know, kind of plug right, in and like be- around. Right, and have a little bit more of that passing ability and that passing sense yeah. from his center backs. But I think the problem with that is, is like he doesn't have some of those guys don't have the defensive wherewithal and like just the defensive mindset in some situation in like very key Mm. situations um and i think they're just one center back short of kind of understanding like what to do and even though vincent company was an older player he was he would have been a extremely valuable piece this season especially with the amount of injuries they had. Could you imagine putting Vincent Company in place of where Fernandinho is yeah. and putting Fernandinho in his natural position? Yeah. That would have done so many different things for Manchester City and freed a lot of the attacking players up. But uh, I also think they lost a lot of pace because they have older players, right? Um, you have Sonic going out, I guess, on injury. Um, you have uh Fernandinho who's old. I mean, again, it go back goes back to age, and like these pacey kind of players, like Aguero isn't as fast as or quick as he used to be. Yeah, he's like known as this poacher type of right. player. Right, David Silva, he's not running as much anymore. Um, and like you just, I think it's become a little bit more predictable on how they're gonna attack and where they're gonna do it. Um. So I mean, probably I would consider them still a cha- championship caliber team. It's just 
they're like missing that key piece like like you mentioned yeah and i think there's just been a little bit of slippage in comparison to previous seasons where they were just like and maybe it's a little bit of an unfair comparison for them that we're making because of what we've come to expect out of man city teams under uh, guardiola and that they've been so good under him that we're kind of like oh there's like a half step down of slippage that now it's been so noticeable that we can kind of be like oh they're definitely not the same team and they they've proven that point and haven't shown uh shown that and i think that is kind of where maybe next off or next like transfer window maybe not the january transfer window but the next transfer window during the summer that you're going to kind of see some of these wholesale changes where they start bringing in some of these guys mm-hmm. that are that they start making like a big money move at center back yeah um for a younger player and try to rejuvenate this team but can you imagine if man city got harry maguire it could have been a whole totally di- totally different story yeah totally different because they were in on him yeah. for that mm-hmm. so like it would have just been a totally different um complexion to this team and they wouldn't have to deal with the holes at center back right and i think that's just been that persisting problem for them as well so i think one one of the interesting teams to kind of pivot to in the top four that was unexpected is leicester city and they're recreating this magic from the 2015-2016 season that's was so exciting to watch at the time. I still remember, like, watching... Like, I became a fan of theirs just because of, like, the underdog story and, like, just rooting for, like, Jamie Vardy. And Jamie Vardy is literally Jamie Vardy of five years ago. Yeah. Or four years. Like, he is on a tear. And, like, if you're in playing fantasy um, Premier League, if you don't have him on your team, like, you're... I don't. You're almost screwed because, <laughs> like, he's just putting out... He's having this offensive output this season where he's scoring an un- at an unbelievable rate. Yeah. And he like there's there were talks about like whether or not he should come out of England retirement to help them in the Euros for 2020 next mm. year because of how good he's been. And it's just incredible to see someone like that um, perform at the level that he's been able to perform at this year. I think I haven't watched any of their games this year, mm-hmm. um, but I think their tactics are a little bit more sophisticated than what it was under Ray Ray Ranieri. Ranieri yep. Um, I mean Ranieri was just play long, like give it to like Conte takes the ball, give it to Mares, give it, give yeah. it to Mares or drink water, and and he will just send it long to to Vardy and see what they can do. Right. Um, I think it's a little bit more sophisticated than that, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's exciting to watch someone like someone like um someone like Vardy like tear it up again. Yeah, and they're creating a lot of different chances from different areas like yeah. James Madison who's been like one of their better players has been like a really interesting like number 10 for them and has yeah. kind of created um stuff for them um in that attacking midfield position and he's probably elevated himself to become one of the better attacking midfielders in I would say the world slash the Premier League. Um, Yuri Telemans has been like a really interesting player in the center in, in center midfield. And 
I just think they do a really great job of being on the same page in terms of what their tactics are. And that's what's been impressive under Brendan Rodgers. And he was Brendan Rodgers was like a Liverpool manager that yeah. I was really actually impressed with. And he was the one that led them to that second place finish before Steven Gerrard kind of slipped and like everyone makes fun of him. But they were in, in like in that title race for a long time because of what Brendan Rodgers was doing and some of the creative offensive output. He ends up, I think he ended up getting a contract extension with Leicester city um, to stay on there for a lot, a while. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were kind of making fun of the contract extension because they're like, that's a ridiculous extension because no one survives in, in um, world-class football that long yeah. for one team. So it's kind of fun a lot of people were poking fun at it, but it's kind of interesting to see him locking down that deal when maybe some of these other teams, these, these bigger teams are looking out for coaches. Well, speaking of looking for coaches, Arsenal needs a coach and I hear Arteta might be the man for the job. Yeah. And I think that's being reported officially that he is going to be, the the next manager full-time manager of arsenal um i and we're recording this on wednesday night um so like i think it's being reported it's been probably for like the past day or so that he's going to be taking over full-time and not on an interim basis which uh freddie lundberg who is like an arsenal legend um had taken over for them um post um unai emery and a lot of people were really upset with Emery and like t- in terms of his tactics and the way like I, I think the drumbeat got so loud that people were just like, this guy needs to go. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminded me of like the the I would say like some of the um, Manchester United like sentiment before uh, Soulstar of with Mourinho. They're just like, we're sick of this. Like he needs to go. And that was kind of what it reminded me of with Emery. I mean, they got really good players, right? Like Aubameyang and Nicolas Pepe. Um, Very pacey team, but they just, I don't know, like there's something off about that team. Yeah, there's that classic meme of like they're like them kind of showing like different, their, their skill position their um, level of positions and like how high they rank and yeah. like their attackers are like the best or whatever. And then their midfielders are a little worse and then their defenders just like, they're like falling yep. off. And, and I think that's the problem. They just don't have like the spine of the team at this point. Um, did, did you know that uh, Leno, yep. Arsenal's keeper has the most amount of saves mm-hmm. this season by a like, wide margin. Yeah. I did it's not crazy. know crazy. Like 70-something saves. That is insane. And the second place is like 40-something. Yeah. Jesus crazy. Christ. Yeah. And I, I just think there's like a lot of stuff going on with Arsenal right now that isn't necessarily on the field performance that's going on. There's a lot of like off-field performance. And I don't know if you've heard about this. And maybe I'm ambushing you a little bit, Hedjun. Um, but Mesut Ozil, I don't know if you've heard about I this, did. but Mesut Ozil kind of did pulled like a Houston Rockets type of thing or like a Daryl Morey basically and criticized um, the 
um, Chinese, China, government. Chinese well, government, mainly the the Muslim community for staying silent, right? And and then kind of like also implicating the Chinese government right. for their part in um, them imprisoning uh, the, the Uyghur, Uyghur population yep. in China, um, which has been kind of reported to be millions upon millions um, put in these. I I don't know if they're concentration style camps, mm. but they're kind of like these internment camps. Um, that they're being described as, and they're basically being placed there peca- based on their faith. Um, and I, I just thought it was a really interesting post and comment by him. And yeah, he's struggling on the field and stuff like that, but I think it was like a really bold, I would say, action by him. And it kind of drew parallels to what ended up happening in the NBA uh, with Daryl Morey kind of criticizing Hong Kong or criticizing China's government and their governance of Hong Kong mm. and that relationship with the Hong Kong protesters. And I th- and in Arsenal's official official team stance coming out against Ozil basically because they're like basically pulling a Houston Rockets type of thing where they're like, all right, we need to protect that Chinese money coming yeah. in with jersey sales. And kind of saying this is not, I don't know if they officially renounced his statement, but they were just like, yeah, we don't agree with this. Did you hear about Yaya Toure's response? No, I did not. So he's playing in a uh, Chinese Super League or the, the, the league below that. Okay. And his response was, we are just footballers. We should just basically shut, shut up, up and play. Shut up and play. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, well, here comes that that Chinese money that, that um anyway it's it's and crazy yeah i think to kind of like display the amount of like money that's being spent in china on uh world football is astronomical in comparison to like other very highly competitive leagues like the english premier league and that's why you kind of see some of these um guys that maybe are a little past their prime like even like maybe even just like post prime where they go over to China and make a huge payday with like Brazilians play there. Twenty five to thirty million dollars a year. Yeah, you got Hulk, you got Oscar, yep. uh, you got Toure. Yeah, and, and it, it brings up a lot of like interesting conversations, but I don't know if you wanted to comment on like some of the thought some of your thoughts on like maybe in general like how an athlete should conduct themselves with political messages in comparison to like um whether or not like that should affect their play or whether or not they should be they should even be commenting on political messages despite being like just an athlete and i'm i'm doing this in air quotes because you guys can't see that I think the beauty of living in a society where we are free to speak our minds is exactly just that, like be able to speak our minds. Whether you are an individual who has two followers on Twitter or millions of followers who like, and you're like a, like a athlete and like a superstar or or musician, whatever you may be. um, I think it's a, beautiful thing to be able to express your own thoughts right right and i think the player should be able to do exactly just that but 
in the league's best interest, they're always gonna protect the money, right? And that's that's like uh, an unfortunate thing, but it's not. It's it's an unfortunate thing, but it's also not a surprise, right? But I I don't, I don't know. Like I've I've you know me like I've sort of gone against what LeBron had said, right? Which is to basically shut up and play. Um, and I think the NBA did the right thing by, in the end, standing with Maury and, and the players instead of uh, saying, oh, no, like, China, like, sorry, we're, you, you know, we can't control our, our, our players or, you know, anyone who's involved in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I think Premier League sh- should, uh, even FIFA, right, uh, should come out and say, hey, like, we're going to protect our players. Yeah. And that's why you need, like, you, you can't just, like, expect people to, like, shut up and just play. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they're at the end of the day, they're human beings, too. Yeah, and I think it's, like, smart for some of these players that have a level of influence ar- throughout the world to wield the, the influence and the power that they have in ways that they see effective. Um, and I think that's a really cool and powerful thing that they're able to do. And it's crazy how, like, just one government right that china is able to have so much control over over what people can say and can't say that's yeah, pe- not pe- even related to you know it's not their people right um and i think ozil is right in saying whatever he wants to say because it's in the end like it's related to his his religion his faith and he shouldn't be, you know, chast chast criticized for that. Yeah, and I I think it's like it just kind of shows like China's and maybe we're getting into this like geopolitical type of top uh, or place that maybe I, I want to steer away from after like a minute more of this is like just the amount of influence that China has in general, in world politics and in the financial markets. And obviously it comes down to the finances and the the money yeah. um, of how much money China has and potential growth that they have in their population that is influencing a lot of the decisions that are being made in sectors that you wouldn't even think have any relation to China and I think that's kind of the interesting implication that's ending, that's happening here that I don't think a lot of people foresaw mm. um, maybe initially with the relationship of like sports because of how historically sports has been somewhat apolitical. Um, I mean... under Except for like certain c- circumstances. Right. And obviously there are and i think that's kind of where you see like greatness happen where right. you see someone like muhammad ali kind of stand for what he believed in right um i'll say one more thing yeah right? and 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 then we can kind of move yeah on. yeah and, and chi- like one thing i'll say is it's pity right china's pity i said it china's pity uh uh but uh China is hosting the Winter Olympics in 2022, mm-hmm. I think. And Olympics is all about bringing people together, right? It's it's bringing the na- nations together and setting aside their differences. And if 
the Olympics really stands for that kind of message. Same thing with like FIFA, right? They want to be able to host at the World Cup in China, right? And it's all about like ending racism, right? That's their one of their slogans, right? Um, and if they if FIFA or the Olympics can't put pressure on China to at least like uh, act on some of the criticisms that that came out. I don't think they deserve to host anything, right? We, everyone's so criticizing of Qatar and and how they treat their their workers and and like, um, there's even talk about boycotting, and there's not a peep about China, so I th- I think it's it's a little like, hypocritical and funny, that, we're so silent on this issue about China. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Qatar, it's like, well, no, like you guys need to do, like make something better for your workers and and these immigrant workers. Mm. It's it's hypocritical. Yeah, and it's almost kind of like this idea of like bowing to the financial powers, right. And where those finances lay, and it's I think that's kind of been evident throughout all these different situations going on in different sectors and going on in different areas of um like sports um you kind of see it in basketball at first and now you've seen it in world football and i think that's where ultimately it's going to be a really interesting thing and and like although you can make parallels to the basketball thing ultimately what did what came out of it not much honestly yeah i mean i don't know if you could have expected much but like in the end, like, Daryl Morey still has his job. Like, everyone kind of, like, said their opinion and said their piece. And now the NBA season's going on, and it, there hasn't been that much talk about it anymore. Yeah. So, I, and I maybe that's just how, in general, the news cycle has worked out. Um, because there's just, like, all these different things and issues that end up happening throughout the season. So, to cap all that, and Hedging called China <laughs> petty. Petty. So I will be on the lookout for Hedging um, and his whereabouts in the next 24 to 48 hours to Guys, make sure I, that I he did doesn't not, disappear. I did not kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> I am no way am depressed and I am fine. I did, I, if I, if you guys hear anything about me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so I'll be on the lookout for, we're on we're on hedging watch uh, for the next forty eight hours because mm-hmm. of that that statement, but there are a couple teams more hedging that I wanted to talk about before we kind of talk about Champions League matchups. Mm. So let's talk about Chelsea for a little bit. Um, Chelsea has been really interesting. Pulisic has kind of had this resurgence, I think, over the past couple weeks. Um, he's getting a lot more consistent playing time. Um, ever since like post hat trick i would say what was that like a month and a half ago maybe close to two months ago now um he's gotten a lot more consistency in his playing time and overall that's like a huge positive for u.s soccer um i just think it's like a really cool kind of like system that chelsea is running and they have kind of struggled in form over the past five games, they had a loss against Man City, then they had a loss against West Ham, one against Aston Villa, 2-1, then lost consecutive games to, to Everton and Bournemouth. So they're kind of on the downslope right now, but they started off, I would say, like 
the previous five matches before that, they ended up having a really nice run. And and Frank Lampard was kind of lauded as like probably the newcomer manager of the year. Um, but what do you think about this Chelsea team right now? They're sitting in fourth in the table. Well, the first thing to mention, I think, is that their transfer ban has been lifted. Um, yep. I th- and I, I think. Right, right. Yeah. It has been. Yeah. Um, so that might have had a little impact on the team's morale. Like, am I going to go back on loan again? Because Chelsea had a lot of players on loan, like a lot of these young younger players that were called back because of the transfer. The, right. Yeah. And I, I think with Lampard being a manager, sure, he's a legend, right? But he's also going to have inconsistencies like Solskjaer. Um, and ultimately, it's because this team is young. Yeah, too. it's, it's yeah. very, it's very uh, like a mirror image of Man U almost, right? And uh, I don't. I think the transfer window is like the biggest factor in this one, and and like, and the uh, uncertainty that brings with a lot of these players, like uh, I guess careers in, at Chelsea. Right, and I think that's kind of where over the next month or so, because the January transfer opens, I wonder if Chelsea ends up making any of these moves because there are spots that they could fill up and Abramovich isn't going to be shy about spending any type of money at all. So I'm curious to see if they end up kind of keeping with this youth movement with like Pulisic and Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, like who have been really interesting and exciting uh, developmental pieces. And they've kind of showed, um, you know, Abraham showed, some sort of consistency to score on a regular basis. Mason Mount has kind of been this really interesting attacking midfield type of player. Um, they've had like really interesting defensive um, players in Tamari, who's kind of kind of came on and then now is like on the bench. So they've had like a lot of these young young players shown really high positives and then also had some inconsistencies as well and not performing at that level that is required for uh a ch- like a top level top four type of performance so i'm curious to see if there's any transfer window types of moves that end up coming in. And I think you hit it on the head. Yeah, I don't think there are any rumors going about with Chelsea. Though. Yeah, I, I haven't really heard that much about them. So I, I'm curious to see if that ends up changing. I did hear Kepa might be on his way out. That's interesting. Because, I mean, he's a little rat. He's been solid, though. But he, yeah. yeah. But, but he, I, I don't think Lampard needs that kind of player. Who's who's it? I mean, remember that... that that little incident with sorry where he refused to be subbed off and ultimately like he he uh couldn't block the the penalty shot because he couldn't push off right yeah so it's i mean yeah it's it'll be interesting to see like what moves they make and i think it'll be a little early to speculate and maybe in a month or so we'll be like oh wow they signed that guy oh right. wow that's a really interesting move for them even though they have someone like Pulisic right, right, in that right. position so yeah i'm really curious about that all right, last but not least, let's talk about my team, Liverpool, who's leading the league uh-huh. by 10 points. And obviously, I, n- I am not counting my chickens before they hatch. 
or my eggs. I don't know how that saying goes. But Liverpool's up by 10 points, 49 points through 17 games, 16 wins, and one draw. Guess how many losses? That's right, zero. I can do math. But it's in... Honestly, it's been an incredible season for them to like be on this unbeaten streak uh, to start the year. And I've been hugely impressed with how Jurgen Klopp has been able to keep this team so motivated to perform at such a high level. And honestly, they haven't performed that well defensively. Um, I don't think they had a clean sheet at home until last weekend against Watford. Um, I think that was their first clean sheet at home this season, which is incredible to me to be seven or 16 and one, 16, Oh, and one, and to have one clean sheet at home um, is a really impressive feat for them. Um, and, and the level of consistent consistency in their play, they're just like on a level of their own um, this season and really haven't shown any drop off at all. My big question to you, Hedging, with their huge busy season coming through, they ended up having the Carabao Cup yesterday that they lost 5-0 with mainly youth players um, to Aston Villa. And then they ended up, they're in, um, I believe they're, I, I don't know, I think they're in Qatar or like one of the Middle East countries that... Um, for the, uh, the FIFA, for FIFA Club World, World Club Cup. World Cup. Yeah. So they ended up having a win there in the semifinals. They're playing, I believe it's Flamingo, um, which is South American Brazilian team, um, in the finals on Saturday, I believe. But they have a congestion of all these fixtures that are coming up, as do a lot of other teams in this ho- busy holiday season, holiday period. Uh, during December, they're going to have like a crazy amount of games. Post, I would say, New Year's, do you believe they have built up enough of a lead to almost make it a foregone conclusion that they will be Premier League champions finally? No. And I totally agree with that. Not at all. Yeah, it's it's such a like a like a turmoil. Even up top, if you look at mid table, it's crazy how like many points sets them apart from like like a eleventh place team versus I mean like like seventh. Yeah, like just to kind of show Liverpool has is up twenty four points on Manchester United. Yeah. And Man U sitting in sixth place. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane, honestly, how many points are, are separating them. My only concern is, like, Liverpool has already ha- had to deal with this the previous couple of years where they've had a healthy lead in front of the, some of these teams. Yeah. And they've kind of... They, they, have, they didn't necessarily fall apart last year. They just weren't able to get some of the results that they needed in key opportune times. Well... We've mentioned this, or we talked about this many times, maybe off podcast, but the way Klopp's uh, like tactics evolved, it, I don't think it's as pressing anymore, right? It's not mm-hmm. about the gig and pressing. It's more about it's. It feels more organic, right? Yeah. It's less, definitely less tra- strain on the players. Um, I think 
one thing to point out though is how happy is Firmino at, at Liverpool? Um, because he doesn't he hasn't been able to score any goals, I don't think, in the last he he scored the key winning goal today in the club oh, club world cup okay. but i do understand maybe your trepidation about someone like firmino and him being like the third banana or the third fiddle um, um amongst that trio yeah. of attackers with salah and mane getting a lot of the name recognition and i think he's been a little bit more of the forgotten piece i mean he's um, a selfless player he He's a self uh, center mi- uh, center forward, forward yep. but he ends up giving up a lot of the balls to Salah and Mane. And and what ends up happening is he ends up really coming back into the midfield yeah. to kind of defend and do a lot of defensive work and collect the ball in some of those places and really send through balls or like send passes to Mane and um, Salah yeah. on the wing to kind of play one on one there and. I, he's just been like one of those like super key players that for me he's been he really underrated for this Liverpool mm. team that I don't think a lot of people kind of account for and kind of forget about yeah missed all the impressive collection of talent that this Liverpool team has well he's he's just not as pacey as Mane or Salah so on a fast break he just can't seem to catch up mm-hmm. um I know he's a good poacher, too. Like he can score, but the way Klopp's his tactics are right now, it's it's way too pacey for him. I think. Yeah, it it. I just think it's like I think it's almost by design in terms of what Firmino is being asked to do by Klopp. Mm. Um, I I just think he's being asked to kind of fill in some of the defensive work, um, to to kind of make up for some of the not I wouldn't say lackadaisical but like because of what Salah and Mane do offensively for this team they maybe jog back a little bit on defense and don't have as many defensive responsibilities and Firmino kind of does some of that grunt work and the dirty work for those two players Um, and uh, what I've been really impressed by like defensively they haven't been extreme they haven't been that great there's been like a rotating cast of characters um in that second center back position next to van dyke um you know matip has been in there but he's been out now lovren's been in there and there's like a little bit of joe gomez um so they're they're trying to figure out that like center back pairing because of matip's um like health and his injuries so that has i think kind of messed up with some of their lack of clean sheets this year but, you know, I mean, Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold have been unbelievable. Like, Alexander-Arnold's, like, pinging passes, cross-field, making these crazy diagonal passes over to Robertson on the left side and just, like, putting it right on a dime and then Robertson kind of swings play. It, it's just, like, beautiful to watch at times and it's hugely impressive and i think that's where their their advantages have been especially attacking um when watching this team attack those fullbacks have been hugely impressive yeah it's so pacey um I, I, they're like what man united like strives to be almost or any team honestly any team yeah they use their fullbacks so well it's 
I'm I'm jealous for it. Yeah. Because yeah. I know like someone like Juan Bisaka has that pace, he has that defensive mindset, but he's just not as complete of a player at right back. Right. Um I would argue that Shaw's almost there too, but I don't know, like it, there's just something missing that like just can't put my finger on it. I could I could hear the the pain of admitting how good Liverpool is in the sigh that Hedgen just uh, drew there. But yeah, it, it's it's just been really impressive. And like, I've been super impressed with how they've conducted themselves post Champions League like victory and how they haven't had any real fall off at all in any of their performances. And I think that's what's been hugely impressive. Like people would probably talk about like, a lackadaisical attitude or maybe like a slump because of the the rewards of winning a Champions League mm-hmm. and we haven't seen that at all. You know, what's one interesting fact about Liverpool that I j- uh, learned maybe a few days ago was Steven Gerrard signed a contract extension with the Rangers yep. until 2024. Is that when Klopp's, Klopp's contract is over? Liverpool signed a new contract with Klopp until end of 20, 20, 24 hours after that that um, statement from the Rangers. Interesting. So you know who your replacement is going to be? Yeah, and maybe they've talked about it, but yeah, I get to enjoy Klopp for another five years mm-hmm. and, and pass it over to a club legend. Life can be really rough for me um, as a Liverpool fan right now. Um, but yeah, it, it's really exciting to watch. I did mention the Champions League, Hedjun, and... The round of 16 matchups mm-hmm. ended up coming out, I believe, this past Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some really interesting, juicy matchups um, um, with with especially our Premier League teams um, that ended up coming through. Um, some surprising teams that didn't end up qualifying, Ajax. Um, mm, they crashed out. Yep, they ended up crashing out. They ended up sacking their, their manager. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been that was kind of a surprise for a lot of people because they ended up losing to Valencia mm-hmm. 1-0 in the final match day um, for them not to qualify. So that was a huge surprise, especially w- with the amount of success they had last year mm. um, in the competition. But let's talk about the teams that are actually in the round of 16. Hedjun... Out of all the matchups here, what would you say is the most interesting matchup? And I think there's a really clear most interesting matchup Hold here. On, let me let me pull up the table. Uh, like a very clear most interesting matchup. Okay, let's see. So do you want me to read them out to you? No, I got it right here. All so right. it's Liverpool versus Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid versus Manchester City, Borussia Dortmund versus Paris Saint-Germain. Chelsea versus Bayern Munich, Lyon versus Juventus, Barcelona versus Napoli, Tottenham versus Leipzig, Atalanta versus Valencia. Okay. I think the most interesting thing would be... I mean, just look at the high-profile nature of, like, this matchup. Well... I feel like it has to be Real Madrid versus Man City. Yeah, of course. Like, that matchup for round of 16 matchup, like, 
is incredible to watch, and I, I w- I'll definitely be tuning into it. Um, I think Real Madrid's kind of lost their air of invincibility since Ronaldo has left, and so like the city, though. yeah, and there's kind of been like questions surrounding Zidane and whether or not he's been able to kind of orchestrate, reorchestrate his magic with this team. Um, but yeah, I I'm curious to see what ends up happening with this matchup and like some of the tactical decisions Pep decides to make because I'm sure Pep is not happy with this matchup at all. Like, especially because of how dire it's looking in the Premier League season and maybe them putting their eggs in one basket um, for this Champions League run and then they get the gift of playing Real Madrid in the round of 16. And uh, I think one thing that Pep hasn't been able to do in a long time was lift that trophy at Champions League. Yep. So, And especially at Man City, that's yeah. the only thing that they're missing. Right. So he's he hasn't been the best, or Man City hasn't been the best team in terms of in the, in any of the European, like, um, you know, matches as opposed to, like, league. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, yeah, I think for sure it's going to be a bald manager derby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, who would you tip as, like, the favorite in this matchup? Mm, I would say Real Madrid. Yeah, I think I had Real Madrid, yeah. too, just because of, like, maybe their experience and kind of yeah. um, in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's kind of something that you have to trust there. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a really exciting matchup. Um out of like I think Tottenham has a really interesting matchup yeah. with Leipzig almost a gift like not yeah. that Leipzig is a bad team I just think that out of all the possibilities that Tottenham could have played in terms of the group winners like they pretty much lucked out here um so they got lucky with Leipzig and I kind of expect them to get to the round of 8 um and the quarterfinals here um Juventus Lyon it seems like Juventus is almost a shoe in there yeah. with Depay um, being injured long-term for Lyon. So it's they're going to be missing one of their key attacking uh, players. Mm. Um, Barcelona, Napoli. I, I mean, Napoli has some really nice talent, but Barcelona, we're kind of expecting to cruise there. Yeah. Um, Chelsea, Bayern. I'm, I'm curious to see how th- some of the young players for Chelsea play against Bayern. Well, Bayern lost their two key players, well, legends. Yeah. Uh, Robin and and Ribéry. They're old, but yeah. Bayern Munich is. They're sitting in like f- fourth in the league right now. Yeah, I, I the German Bundesliga has been extremely tight this year, um, and I know we don't talk about the Bundesliga because this is more of a Premier League centric um, podcast. But it's been a really, really tight at the top Bundesliga in year like in comparison to years past where Bayern uh would dominate and they're sitting currently in fourth, four points back, Leipzig, um Mönchengladbach, back, that's mouthful, Bayern, Dortmund, um, Schalke's in it at twenty nine points, being the top five. And there's not much separating yep. any of those teams yep. at all. So it, I, I think it's a really interesting mix of teams. And Bayern's kind of 
not that they've struggled, but I think they've struggled with like implementing some of the attacking pieces and the level of consistency those pieces have. And they've gone through a lot of managerial changes lately too, so that's probably playing a role. Yep. Um, I think Chelsea has this one as opposed to Bayern. Interesting. I think I think that's a really interesting pick. Um, I think that would be like a really trendy like upset pick. Um. Yeah, I think it's almost going to be like how it was with Man U versus PSG last year. Mm. Um, Where PSG has a lot of players who had a lot of experience, especially in the Champions League too. Mm -hmm. But Man U on their Solskjaer played a lot of the young players who could just pretty much run all day long. And they they were able to produce. So I think Chelsea might see like similar results. Mm. That'll that'll be interesting. PSG Dortmund, um, I think is a um, pretty fascinating matchup in terms of like how PSG kind of takes over, or does someone like Jaden Sancho kind of like carry Dortmund on his back? Um, and I, th- I think a lot of people will kind of be like, oh, PSG kind of has it in the bag, but be on the lookout. Yeah. For upset special there. Uh, well, especially with like Neymar wanting to leave. Um, all those rumors of him heading back to Barcelona. Well, funny thing, funny you mentioned that. Uh, he sued Barcelona w- again for unpaid wages and bonuses. Mm-hmm. So I think he's burning that bridge right there. You think so? Yeah. I think they will gladly take him back. I don't know. I think they would gladly take him back. Um, if Messi says he wants him, I think they'll take him back. Well... Messi's, yeah, well, I don't know. Which would be a, a fascinating front, like, four players of yeah. Neymar, Griezmann, Messi, Messi. Swore. <laughs> like, can you imagine that mm, team? Yeah. yeah, it would be kind of crazy attacking-wise. Um, and then Liverpool, Atletico. I was, when looking at the draw, like, there are teams that I wanted a little bit more than Atletico Madrid for Liverpool. Like, they're very experienced in this competition and have an understanding of how to play tough never like playing diego costa like don't like playing a guy like that that's super physical um you know like someone playing like you know playing someone like the hot like dude like Zhao felix is the hot young guy like i don't love that either because that could be like his this could be his coming out party they have really good pieces that I think can kind of hurt Liverpool on a counterattack. Um, I think Van Dyke matches up well with Costa, so I wouldn't be worried too much about that. It would more be about Zhao Felix um, that I would be concerned about. But, yeah, I wish there were other teams that Liverpool could have possibly played. I think, though, there are rumors that Simeone might might be sacked. Interesting. Yeah. He just hasn't been able to produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been like uh, basically cemented himself as a club legend. Right. Being that type of manager that's led him to the to, to La Liga title and like ver- and like a Champions League final in period. Well, they had a double, didn't they? Like mm-hmm. a few, uh, like maybe four or five years back. So it's, <sighs> I just don't like the trend of this entire like, Firing and yeah. hiring and yeah. 
if there's like two bad games in a row, like they're on the hot seat right. type of thing. Yeah, Crazy. it's it's a really I think like we me and my friend Andrew Ramondi, who's on the basketball podcast with me, always joke jokes around about um how in the NBA, like we they don't give him, uh coaches chances and I always remind him about um well, you should check out European football. They give I mean, for crying out loud, Claudio Ranieri led Leicester yeah. to le- to a title, and then the next season he got fired. So, like, it's just kind of cr- it. It's just like the nature of the beast, and uh, in terms of how it works, doesn't make it right at all. Doesn't yeah. make the culture right, but right. Um, I just think that's the nature of the beast um, in world football. So, hedging. There's not much else I wanted to talk about, unless there was anything else that you wanted to talk about. Um, there's couple. There's like some news out about um, MLS clubs. Um, Charlotte ended up getting uh, the 30th franchise, 30, 30th franchise in the MLS, um, which is really interesting. And the MLS is really um, expanding. And and that Charlotte franchise sold for I think it was like three hundred in excess of three hundred million dollars. Um, so there's clearly a lot of money involved in these MLS teams and a lot of these billionaires or multi-millionaires want to throw you know throw their weight around a little bit and show that they can own a sports well, team. Miami is going to get one. Yep, my yep, with yep. Uh, they they're going to be uh David Beckham. They they're already starting a team. Yep. Um they'll be introduced next year in the 2020 season. Right. Um so they'll be in the in the in the league as well. Um so it's just really interesting. I think them and Nashville, I believe, interesting. have a team. One so one thing that the MLS needs to work on is uh get rid of artificial turf. Honestly, that's that's so bad for the players, especially their knees and ankles and everything else. Nobody well, nobody ju- wants to play. It, yeah. ma- it makes sense for like someone like uh, a team like C- maybe Seattle or Vancouver, right? Because of like the weather conditions, right. you're saying it it just like comes off as like second class. Yeah, it's cheap or like lower mm-hmm. level um, in comparison to like all these European teams that right. can 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 do it in harsh weather too. Like right. in England, like they maintain the pitches when it's freezing cold, right. raining all the time. Well, Zlatan came out and said, "Well, like nobody wants to play on turf, and this is what MLS is like. Like they're." They're not top tier, right? And that's the reality of MLS right now is there's a lot of excitement, right? And that's pretty much piggybacking off of maybe some of, like, the U.S. Maybe U.S. women's national team, like, people watch soccer now, Mm -hmm. right? And um, it couldn't get there. I just feel like they just need a little bit more investment. Yeah. And Uh, I think it'll come eventually. Um yeah, and mentioning you mentioned the U.S. Women's National Team, Megan Rapino was named, uh, I believe, SI Player or Person of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was only the third or fourth woman ever. She also won the uh, Ballon d'Or. Right, so she won the Ballon d'Or as well, which um, some people criticized. Yeah, uh, it's all about the, I guess, the status and the celebrity and. And it's pretty much like a popularity contest yep. because there were definitely players who were better than Rapino in terms of pure performance. 
right? But probably like her off the pitch contributions, right? Probably made an impact, mm-hmm. and and she had a really nice World Cup. She no, she did. did. I mean, the U.S. She took the U.S. Women's National Team to the final, and they won the championship. Yeah, they won the World Cup, but uh, there were like statistics, like like she didn't contribute much in their club team. Like Alex Morgan did more than uh, Rapino in terms of performance, um, and it's about like these journalists f- voting, right? At the end of the day, and probably they made more head. Uh, Rapino made more headlines than anyone else in, in in the world in the in terms of women's soccer team. So I'm all for it. Yeah, and she brought a lot of visibility to right. the U.S. women's national but team. But like, what there there's also like a like a like a dichotomy of of men's voting versus well it's also a popularity contest. Well, Messi ended up winning and did you like did you see some of the I would say some of the votes from some of these some of these supposed writers from yeah. across the country. Like some of them didn't even have Messi, Ronaldo or Van Dyke in any of their top right, yeah. fives or top threes. So it's it's just kind of funny how like and then there was like I think a writer from somewhere that ended up having like three goalkeepers yeah. in his top three. Um, it's, it's definitely become a little bit more, I think, or more of a, not a joke, but it's definitely lost its prestige. And like. its luster of yeah. like, oh, how this is kind of looked at as one of their best, like the, the most prestigious right. like award uh, for an individual football player. Right. And now it's kind of like, Eh, like, all right. And maybe it's because Ronaldo and Messi have taken, you know, the last 10 with it without exception or with uh, an exception for Luka Modric last year. But they've dominated this and it hasn't and deservedly so. But it just like, man, how many more can they keep yeah. up going and keep on going for? Well, Ribéry should have won the one back in, was it 08? When Bayern won the trouble, yeah, it was like oh eight or oh nine or something, and he, I th- I feel like he deserved it, but Ronaldo ended up taking it, so it's very much a popularity contest at this point. Yeah. So, um, any like the the only other thing that I can really think of at this point is um the goal of the season, mm. and. I I'm talking about Tonongin's like mm-hmm. unbelievable goal. Mm-hmm. Like and that just like like it was like a cultural moment. Not a cultural moment, but it was just like one of those goals that I was like, holy crap, he scored that type of yeah. goal. And to the point where my mom, who doesn't really know about soccer at all, but because he's Korean, she, like he he comes up in conversation. She goes, "Did you see that goal by Sonung?" Yeah, and yeah, and like I had random people asking me because they know how big of a soccer fan I am, and and it was just like an unbelievable goal, um, goal of the season so far. Puskas award, maybe, maybe. I don't. I don't, it was just like an unbelievable like individual yeah. performance, and uh, he had that Chelsea goal that was like, kind of like made a similar 50 yard run but mm. not as impressive as this where he took it, basically took it from his own 18 and it, that's not even an, an exaggeration at all he took it from his own 18 dribbled through like 
five or six players. Did you know that Vertonghen got an assist? <laughs> he got, he, yeah, the assistant went to Vertonghen because uh, he was the one to... Clear the ball, right? Right, and land in front of Son. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy, crazy. And I, I just couldn't believe the amount of pace that he had, the amount of control that you need and composure that you need to settle yourself down after a long run like that yeah. and be like, all right, I just made this long run. Now I need to score the goal. Yeah. Um, so it was incredible. So I encourage everyone who hasn't seen the goal to just type in Son Heung-min goal and it'll definitely be one of the top YouTube uh, results that come out and just be in awe of his mm -hmm. performance mm -hmm. uh, there. So he's uh, he's definitely one to be proud of as a Korean. So um, really cool to see him performing at that type of level and that type of world stage. So Hejun, thanks again for coming on to the podcast. Always a pleasure to have you on to talk about um, all things in world football, especially in the English Premier League. So, uh, yeah, all I have to say is um, you never walk alone. Go Liverpool. Go. Let's go. Um, so thanks again, Hedjun, for coming on. Um, and also, guys, just posted a, a football podcast as we head into the playoffs. It's going to get really, really interesting. We're, me and Michael are going to be breaking down um, – fantasy finals next week hopefully i get the win um in my both of my leagues and then we also be on the lookout for uh, a podcast that i do with andrew ramondi probably coming out friday or saturday um talking about the nba season and we're all the already a third of the way through the season so we'll kind of talk about um the way the NBA has progressed, um, how the season has gone so far. So, guys, thanks again for listening and tuning in. Tuning in. As always, um, Kevin Wu signing out.